Welcome to Sports Scouts. I'm Joey Goodsir. I'm Mike Garup. And we are recording this uh, brand new episode on Wednesday, February 27th. Um, we will talk about the NHL trade deadline. We'll talk about the MLB and NFL news. Uh, we'll sit down with AJ Shaw to talk baseball and even some basketball. And then we'll t- talk LeBron James. Yes, we're finally talking LeBron James on this show. Um, and a lot more. But first, Michael, here, we'll give you some scout scores. We're going to talk more about the boys and the girls' basketball teams um, with Shaw. So I'll leave the scores for then. But also other news for Lake Forest um, Scout Sports. Um, the boys' varsity hockey team won the league championship against New Trier on Saturday in Rolling Meadows, sending them forward to a single elimination state playoff. Um, the, the Scouts face off against Notre Dame College Prep um, tonight, Wednesday night. So make sure 8 o'clock at the Lake Forest College um, to be there. Um, and, and the boys... Varsity track and field placed um, six out of 17 teams at the Antioch Invitational at UW Parkside, winning two events, one on which being junior distance runner Ben Rose's first varsity Invitational title, placing first out of 47 in the 1,600-meter run uh, with a time of um, 4.29. And shout-out to the boys swimming, Luke Lanigan, Oliver Ekintade, and Colin Kingsley for a great performance in the state uh, prelims on Friday. And girls track and field have an Invitational um, at Rolling Meadows on Friday, and also spring sports such as girls soccer and water polo around the corner, and even baseball. Yeah, so for sure. A yeah, lot, look into baseball. A lot <laughs> to look forward to, yeah, for, for Lake Forest Scouts um, um, athletics after the basketball season concluded on Monday night. Yeah, we're really transitioning into spring now. So thanks, Still Michael. Cold, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so there were your scout scores. Um, if you want more in the latest in LFHS sports, check out the latest articles. Uh, we have up on the Forest Scouts, such as a uh, full coverage of basketball, full analysis on there. Uh, we'll talk with Shaw a little bit more about that um, as well later on the show. Boys hockey updates. Um, there's a cheerleading season review up on there, so make sure you check that out, theforestscout.com. There's some good stuff. Um, and if you didn't hear the sport you wanted to hear um, or we screwed up somehow, make sure you just uh, send in the scores and informative news to sportscoutspodcast at gmail.com. So Michael can give it a shout-out, sportscoutspodcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah, so... There's your LFHS news, and now it's time to go on to national sports um, with Show Me What You've Got. And, uh, Michael, how about we have you go first here? Um, yeah. What is what is your number one headline to kick off the show? So in last, in, in last week's podcast, I said um, the free agent system in, in Major League Baseball is not broken. But, I mean, just to clarify, I kind of want to say I meant that for the upper echelon of players, um, as in, like, the top 1% of players, um, such as this year's free agents, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. But, I mean, there's also a trend in baseball that is kind of concerning, as the majority of teams, besides, like, the Red Sox, have moved into more analytics and less spending, as the Red Sox and the Nationals were the only two teams um, to go over the luxury tax in this last season. And, of course, the Red Sox actually won the World Series, so there's, there could be a debate there, too. But also, um, now, th- this trend in baseball is kind of concerning because depending, not even not even um, if it's not Bryce Harper or not or, uh, Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, other players, too, um, there's, there's less um, suitors, and each player has to wait longer. Um, but if it's not Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, um, their players aren't getting the desired contracts they they once um, always thought they were going to get um, a couple just a couple years ago. But also, um, so the solution I believe to to this problem, I mean, there's still always going to be that um, this debate 
whether or not analytics is taking over the game and if the ownership can find a way around um, a system that the collective bargaining agreement will, will include in 2021, I believe, once it ex- once it expires. But the solution I have is limit the years before players can enter. If you move the arbitration years down just, just a season, that allows players to enter free agency a year earlier, which, um, which definitely is beneficial for them because the younger the player is, um, the more money he can get. If you look at Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, they're still 26. Teams are still going to want to give him a huge deal. But if, like I said, they have to wait longer now with this new system. And also, we could set a free agency uh, deadline, to s- which would make teams sign players earlier. Yeah, it'd be a lot speedier than this offseason. That would be great, I believe. Like Craig Kringle, Craig Crimble and Bryce Harper still haven't signed yet, and we're recording this on February 27th, and spring training games have already begun. So this is definitely a big problem um, in, in the game of baseball, and this needs to be addressed once the collective, collective bargaining agreement um, expires in 2021. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so my headline is, um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this with Shaw, um, and I kind of talked about some of my opinions on there, um, but I'm just going to kind of lead off the show with full disclosure of um, my opinions on this. So, um, obviously, a huge, um, huge sports story was the Zion Williamson injury here in the last week against um, uh, North Carolina and Duke's big matchup there, uh, where he kind of had a problem with his Nike shoe and put him in you know, most likely a season ending injury. It's, it's a big story because obviously he's, he's, if in case you don't know who Zion Williamson is, he's being considered to be like the next LeBron as far as his pure Pure size, size, talent, athleticism, but it's also reigniting the conversation um, like LeBron did about, um, you know, paid student athletes and should college athletes be paid. Um, And I'm just like to lead off with this headline to offer kind of a new perspective in that. I think that, um, there should be a line drawn between paying athletes and giving them um, their their deserved uh, money and giving them the ability to handle their their own lives financially. Um, while I while I disagree with the notion that um, college athletes should be paid, and I think that you know they do get paid in in their education and they get paid um, in all the benefits that they receive out of their university that they that they go to. I think that. Um, you know they they should have a lot more of an ability to uh, make money from their talents on the side. You know they, we see we see all these things about you know about their inability to you know give shoes away or be able to um, receive money for lunch. All these very very small kind of things that they can't do because they're under the umbrella of the NCAA. Um, you know deals with the uh, with video game you know video game contracts obviously can't happen. Like those little things on the side. I think should should have less restriction and athletes should be able to pursue those outside things um, while they it, while they they probably shouldn't get paid up front. So that's just kind of my um, alternate perspective on this conversation that I've always had. And obviously Zion Williamson's big injury has kind of reignited that conversation. So. Yeah, and we'll get into that more once we sit down with AJ. Actually, uh, we're going to mention that when we talk to him later. So definitely keep, stay tuned for that. Yeah. So um, on the news, and uh, we're just going to get um, right into it with uh, what has been a pretty, pretty big story. So um, on Friday, police announced that longtime owner of this year's Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots, Robert Kraft, has been charged with two counts of soliciting prostitution at a spa in Jupiter, Florida. Um, and the charges tie Kraft to 25 other people who were charged for human trafficking across multiple Florida ca- uh, countries. 
So, uh, you know, Robert Kraft categorically denied illegal action uh, through a spokesperson in a short statement on Friday. And the NFL responded by saying that they'll uphold their personal conduct policy on this situation like they would with any other. Um, So, I mean, Michael, considering we host a sports show um, and this is, you know, very, very complex legal and social story. Let's take this from a sports perspective and just and I'd just like to ask you. What do you think all of this ends up meaning for Robert Kraft and the New England Patriots? Well, of course, um, we're going to need probably more information in the coming days. Yeah, we're definitely sure. going to get more what really happened um, at that spa, which is kind of disturbing. I mean, um, just to hear about the news, which, I mean, it's, it really is disturbing, I guess, for being an owner and doing something like that. I mean, that's just kind of, I mean, especially with the type of um, level the Patriots are on now, with the way they build up that dynasty there. I mean that kind of it's just a hit towards the um, organization as a whole and the and just the character of the organization. But the league is going to have to, if if something comes out that definitely they're going to need to, um, if they see something that um, is, is isn't right and he is guilty of uh, whatever happened at that day, um, at the spot they're going to the league is going to need to have discipline for him. Even though he's like not a player, you can't suspend him from a game or anything. But they're going to need to discipline him if something does. Um, does come up, and it sounds like based on um, the witnesses there, I guess that um, the accusers, I guess that um, th- this is a big deal, and there could be other um, big um, names, I guess, coming into this report, which we don't know of yet. But yeah, for sure, this is definitely a a big story worth worth monitoring. Yeah, I mean, I think that we definitely need to know more. But from what we know now, um, the only conclusion that I, I'm kind of starting to make at this point considering as more and more developments are coming out um i think what we're probably going to end up seeing here is we're going to see a different member of the Kraft family probably his son or something like that um kind of take over the reins or at least public position as the owner of the patriots just simply because you know unfortunately you know obviously this is this is this is a this is a serious crime and this you know this this is receiving backlash for a reason i think that um you know, especially considering the high level that the Patriots are at. And, you know, it's it's no secret. We've talked about it before on the show. You know, they're one of the most hated teams in the country right now across all sports. And so, you know, people that might... People are quick to judge, I guess. Right. People will be quick to judge and people will be quick to um, put that extreme level of judgment on Robert Kraft, right or wrong. And, you know, and that, that will definitely hurt the Patriots organization going forward. So just not even not even necessarily from a legal idea i'm not i'm not saying you know he did or didn't do anything here and you know whatever will happen with that will happen with that but i think that no matter what just because of you know pr i think that they're they're gonna they're gonna have to make just some slight changes here with with the ownership um within the craft family yeah that's a good point um so we move on now yeah moving on the next story yeah so we're gonna move on to um the nfl or the, the nhl trade deadline um, we talked about this a little bit last week, but um, it it finally um, ended two o'clock Central Time on Monday. So, like all trade deadlines, many exciting moves are made. So, Joey, what do you think is the biggest um, positive story and the biggest negative story in the wake of the of the trade deadline in the NHL? Well, um, obviously, we we talked about the whole concept of the Lightning versus everyone else in the NHL right now, and they did nothing, and you know, just. Because they did nothing and they're just winning the way they're winning, I would definitely, you know, say that the Tampa Bay Lightning um, have uh, won the dr- deadline by doing nothing. But if we go into if we going if we go into the trade deadline as far as actions that have been done as a Red Wings fan, um, while I'm excited for the rebuild that's coming and the ch- the big changes that are finally being being admitted to and being made 
by the Red Wings organization. Um, the specifics behind their deal uh, with the San Jose Sharks in which they traded um, uh, forward Gustav Nyquist um, in exchange for some um, picks was not necessarily fair, favorable toward the Red Wings and really a great deal for the Sharks. So I got to give them um, some props for a very, very good um, trade deadline outing. Um, obviously, the Blackhawks are center of conversation. They didn't really do anything in kind of a weird transition point between a huge win streak and um, a couple losses across an important homestand. So, I mean, they're kind of in the middle of the pack if you want perspective on the local team here. Um, and, you know, I there's there's kind of lots of teams hanging out at the bottom right now um, as far as just, you know, not, not really um, good additions. But um, as I said, I had the Red Wings pretty low on that list. Um, but the Edmonton Oilers um, really kind of um, they 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 added some players and gave up some players, but I think that the players that they picked up, um, Sam Gagner and Anthony Solarts, are significantly um, less effective at um, Edmonton than goalie Cam Talbot and uh, Ryan Spooner. So um, you know, so I think that those are that's kind of the situation with the trade deadline right now. So uh, we're finally talking about LeBron here. So um, it'll be brief for those of you who don't like LeBron, so don't worry. Uh, but obviously it's a big story. So the Lakers have currently uh, found themselves in a slump, losing seven of the last ten games, including an alarming loss recently against the Memphis Grizzlies. And LeBron has expressed his disaffection with the current results, uh, which provide a need for the Lakers to get extremely hot to you know really close out the season and get into the playoffs. So, Michael, what do you think this all means for the Lakers and LeBron going forward? And what do you think they need to do to get out of this bad spot right now? To be honest, they're not making the. Pl- I mean, I don't. There's. I'm just gonna say it right now, they're not gonna make the playoffs. I mean, that's LeBron. Each year, it's always it's a matter of of time. I guess it's a matter of when. When will LeBron get hot? When will he carry his team to the playoffs? But this year, it's kind of a different narrative. They just don't really have. LeBron doesn't have any really um, guys around him. Since he didn't get Anthony Davis to the trade deadline, he's that's kind of been um, deflating for for him and and his team. I mean that's kind of set. I mean that's just kind of set distance from him and the rest of the team. And there's been a lot of divide on this whole team, which is a problem for any team, um, and especially with LeBron and getting the national attention he receives. This is this is a big, um, a big problem for them. And they're going to constantly, even if they keep losing, they're keep going to get. Um, they're going to people are still going to keep believing in them. But since it's LeBron James, he's made however many. I believe it's like eight in a row NBA Finals. Um, people are going to still keep following this team but and just just being real um LeBron um LeBron I think now has kind of come to terms that this year is kind of a lost year and he's going to look forward to next year and possibly sign uh, possibly trade for a guy like Anthony Davis yeah definitely definitely tough kind of a low point on um his career right now and a low point for the Lakers and hopefully you know Hopefully we'll we'll you know from Lakers fans' perspective we'll see some changes. I I agree with you in that I don't expect it to happen. But but uh, yeah, also, that's what's going on. I mean I don't what I don't like from um, LeBron personally is just having placing the blame on Luke Walton, the Lakers head coach. I mean I think he's he's doing a fine job. It's hard to be a coach. We've 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 seen with LeBron James and the other coaches he's had in Cleveland that um, being a, being his coach is not an e- not an easy job. There's a lot. Lot besides coaching on the court with LeBron. Yeah, there's James. a lot of pressure. There's there is a lot of pressure, and he wants he basically wants to be the the GM of the and the coach of the team, which which for any coach is going right. to be difficult for them. And I think Luke Walton's actually done a fine job for them, and he doesn't really deserve the backlash that he's receiving from LeBron and, and yeah. other fans who are um, just feeding off LeBron's 
um, opinion. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, perhaps all my negative opinions toward LeBron kind of reside in that kind of whole dynamic of him and his coaches and the things he kind of says about his team. Um, but I mean, he, he. I mean, even though I, I, I wouldn't agree with the idea that he should say that. I mean, he, it is true, and that um, the the Lakers are going through some tough times right now. So, um, on to our next story. Yes, this is our last news story. Um, so, despite recent rule changes in the last few years that has given NFL players a lot more freedom when it comes to celebrations after touchdowns, especially, um, the league has begun talks to ban players from leaving the sideline to celebrate with their teammates on the field. So, Joey, what are your what is your position on NFL celebrations, and how does the story affect those views? So, I was originally, I mean, I was originally kind of mixed when it came into the whole NFL celebrations conversation. Because on one hand, I mean, I thought it would be um, good for the sport, and on the other hand, you know, I'm, I'm, I generally take lots of old man perspectives on things, and I, I didn't like the idea of kind of expanding celebrations too much, um, as it'd kind of be of a waste of time for the game. But I mean, it was something that the players all kind of agreed that they wanted to do, and the NFL graciously opened it up, and it provided a lot of highlights this season. And I think that regardless of your position on the NFL celebrations, I think that it's just, I think that people can be united against against a league potentially you know backing out on what they just set up with these with their kind of um new position on nfl celebrations i think that you know they took the position that you know players can um players can celebrate almost a lot more than they used to at least however however they really want um but i mean it would start to become a waste of time for the nfl especially to spend too much time just to figuring out all the little uh you know nitty-gritty details about celebrations so i think it's it's kind of a waste of a conversation for the NFL and they should focus on yeah. more important things and I don't think you know they 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 kind of set up that celebrations are important and you know they're, they're assuming that position I mean also um, they have a lot of other bigger problems like the pass interference that's going to be a big about a, being able to review that and there's a lot of other topics that are way way, um, way more important than this but the NFL is known as the no fun league which is definitely indicative of this um, of this news story, but I mean I think just let the players they have a hard enough um, game just to go out there each play. Um, um, it's 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 hard enough for them just to make it through a game without trying to get hurt or just getting bruised, banged up. So just I think just let the players have a little bit of fun. I mean fans seem to love this. I I, I personally actually really like the celebration. This yeah, fun. it is it's, fun. Yeah, it's fun to see what. I mean, some people kind of look for. I kind of look forward to, um, like especially the the Bears were fun. Like the Bears like, were especially fun this year. You would look how forward much of a to the team they were. Yeah, like yeah, defense and offense with the way they could score. Um, it was, I mean, it was fun to watch. Like the Prince Mukamara, especially, um, on Thanksgiving um, afternoon, that was that was pretty hilarious to watch. But I think just let the players have them, give them a little bit of fun. I think the league should definitely should should give them a, just give them a little leeway here and let them have fun. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, coming up right here, we're going to have our Let's Sit Down segment with Shaw. We hope you enjoy it. Um, we're talking baseball. We're talking basketball um, a little bit, too. Um, so we hope you enjoy that. Here it is. Hey, guys. It's Joey here. I'm in the process of editing this episode, and I just wanted to leave you guys a quick message before we get into Let's Sit Down. I wanted to let you guys know that, as we did last week with Mark and the talent show, and how we played Swing Sonata's music, we want to make sure that we promote our local artists on the show for our segment transitions. So we would like to extend an offer and look forward to local artists uh, emailing us and sending us their music in order to be played on the show. We look forward to promoting their stuff. 
So make sure you send it to us at sportscoutspodcast at gmail.com. That's our email, sportscoutspodcast at gmail.com. Sport singular and scouts plural. Sportscoutspodcast at gmail.com. And here is Let's Sit Down with Shaw. Hope you enjoy. All right, welcome to the show. Um, This is our uh, second uh, Let's Sit Down uh, segment that we've had on Sports Scouts so far. Uh, We're very, very excited to do this because um, on this episode we have um, our uh, baseball extraordinaire, color commentator for uh, the boys basketball team, um, MLB preview writer, and a longtime friend of the show, AJ Shaw. AJ, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Shawzy, good to have you. Yeah, Yeah, thanks for having me on, Michael, Joey. Glad to be back on here. I was here a couple months ago. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Yeah. Yeah, obviously so, not C Boy's not here today, as we love to call him. <laughs> hey, it's his birthday today. Yeah, it's yeah, his happy birthday. Birth- happy birthday, C Boy. Uh, my wonderful partner, as uh, John Kerr quoted once back earlier this year, the young Kevin Harlan. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's got a great voice, man. He's got a great future in he, this business. He does. I yeah. you know heavily enjoy all the stuff that he does. So um, the thing I just love is that he's able to put up with my antics every week. Yeah, that's true. He does that uh, with grace. Um, so before we get into baseball, Michael has a couple questions about um, basketball since the basketball um, seasons have wrapped up and um, yeah. your color commentating for basketball has wrapped up. Yeah, so yeah. First, first I'll just like give the scores, I guess, from, from the other nights. So obviously uh, the leading update out of LFHS Sports are the two less enjoyable ones to hear. So the boys' basketball team and the girls' basketball team got, um, were defeated Monday Thanks night. Thanks for the painful reminder. <laughs> yeah, the boys lost 56-43 uh, to 40, 43 to Highland Park at home in the first round of the regional playoffs. And the girls, which had a great season, lost 53-34 to 34 to undefeated Maine West at the girls' super sectional championship in Palatine. So, Shaw, can you just give me your thoughts, I guess, for, for the boys' team especially and then also the girls' team? Yeah, I'm going to do the girls' team really quick because I don't really do a lot of the girls' games. I only mm-hmm. went to one game this year. Um, tremendous season. They have a really young roster. So there's a lot to look forward to. You got a lot of great young players like uh, Olivia Witte, Molly Fisher, obviously Hallie Douglas. You know, tremendous, tremendous player. Um, Huge know. numbers this year. Yeah, I mean, it comes from an unbelievable athletic family. You know, her grandfather Bobby Douglas, of course, the Chicago Bears quarterback way back in the day. Her father, great basketball player. Uh, her sister, another great basketball player, currently at the collegiate level. So it was a great season. I think if, if as a player on that team you shouldn't be looking down at losing to a really good Maine West team because Maine West had just a fabulous season fabulous season I know I sound like somebody we know um <laughs> but uh they shouldn't look down on that loss they played a really good team and they had the best season probably in the history of the scouts basketball program I think it was the most wins right Total most wins for wins right most wins for girls for, yeah, and uh, the first ever sectional title for the basketball yeah, program that's phenomenal yeah most yeah. Yeah, yeah just tons of tons of records broken this year yeah. as far as unbelievable yeah. it's exciting for next year then. great 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 Mollis, Hallie Douglas all both yeah. with a thousand points Ellie Pearson another tremendous season gonna yeah. be a great collegiate player um she's at going to John Hopkins right yes yeah. John Hopkins going to John Hopkins that's awesome yeah uh now I'm gonna get into the boys team um it was an up and down year. It was an up and down year. I think early on in the season they struggled. They kind of struggled to gel together. But that's going to happen, obviously. You know, you got a right. bunch of new guys on the team this year, a bunch of juniors. Um, the thing that was really interesting this year, and you don't usually see this because Coach Lascala is the kind of guy where he's not really into using small, younger guys. He's more into his upperclassmen, yeah, yeah. seniors, juniors. Last year it was a lot of seniors. But it was a very talented senior class, too. I mean, Ben Gibson, Mead Payne, uh, Jed Thomas, great players. 
Um, excuse me. Uh, but this year, you could see he tried to incorporate more of you know a younger lineup. And Jack Malloy, a sophomore who I actually did a piece on for the Forest Scout, and we're going to get to that in a minute, um, was a sophomore. He was the first ever underclassman to you know get like legitimate minutes since Evan Boudreaux, as we all know, probably the greatest, yeah. Yeah, probably the greatest player in the history of Lake Forest basketball oh, for sure. Um, he uh, Jack's got a good future. Um, there's a few things he's got to work on. Obviously, his jump shot is not, you know, it's not the best so far. But he's a great defensive player. He's got a great eye for the ball. Uh, and he, he's a hard worker. You know, his teammates call him a silent grinder. Uh, that, I got that from Carter Horan, who's, you know, a tremendous senior, great leader on that team. Uh, but the game on, on Monday was really kind of the antithesis of this season. For sure. I would definitely agree with that. It was up and down. Yeah. And I feel like... Those games where Highland Park shot the ball so well. They didn't answer to everything. <laughs> yeah. Highland Park is just one of those games that as a, as, a, as a fan, as a player, as a broadcaster, you have to tip your cap to them. Now, obviously, I was not there. I was sick, as you might can tell by my voice. But, and I want to thank Peter Elliott if he's listening to this. Thank you for filling in. You did an absolute, absolutely tremendous job. Another great young broadcaster. But back to my point, Highland Park had an answer for everything. And our defense didn't make any good adjustments. And I think a thing that was so critical in that game is that Highland Park shut down Crawford Bolden. And when I've talked to people, they've been like, yeah, the scouts didn't play well. Yeah, they didn't play well. But the biggest thing is that they shut Crawford Bolden down. And I don't know how much you know varsity basketball you guys watch. I go to every right. game pretty much. So Crawford Bolden was a big key to this team. Now, obviously, Jake Fisher was the big right. player on the team this year. I mean, he had an unbelievable Seven game. threes, I believe, right? Seven threes, That's 27 sense. points, which was a career high. Can't ask for much more than that, yeah. I mean, that was unbelievable. The guy was just draining his shots. Mm. I was talking to Connor, actually, afterwards. I said, man, he took his Wheaties today. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. But Crawford Bolden was kind of that guy that laid in the ball game when you needed a bucket. You could throw it down low, and he could just body the guy yeah. and put it off glass. They shut Crawford Bolden down, and I feel like that was a big key. And you had guys out there, and nothing against those guys. You had guys like, you know, Carter Horan, Michael Pasquella, uh, Jack Malloy, Caden Nowick, who another young yeah, guy that young. Got, came up early in the year, freshman, uh, younger brother of a good friend of ours, Breck, um, who, who can't shoot the ball. And those guys are being left wide open because the defense knows those guys can't shoot, but they're guarding guys like Jake and Andrew Crawford, another one who, need, who, you know, who can shoot the ball. And Tommy Hansen, and people are like, "Well, Tommy's not a good shooter." Tommy is a really good shooter. If you give Tommy space, Tommy's going to drain him. Uh, there was a game earlier this year against Warren. He hit like four or five threes near the end of the game that really helped the scouts come back. They were down eleven going into the fourth quarter. Hit like four or five threes that were so critical. So I think the biggest thing that the scouts realized this year is the guys that could do the big, the little things that they needed were usually the guys that the guy that the other teams could game plan for. So there were games where the scouts would go in and it's like, well, we know Fisher and Bolden are probably going to have good games, but if we can shut one of them down, then we're probably going to be able to shut the whole team down. Because there were times this year where the scouts would go into games and they couldn't score. Right. There was mm -hmm. a game they scored 14 in the first half and then eight in the second half <laughs> against, I believe, Mundelein, I believe. I don't remember. It was like early in the season, like second or third game of the year. It was, it was horrible. Yeah, definitely though. But that I th that's a really good point. Just being at the game Monday night, yeah, you could just see. I mean, they're playing in that zone, but then they kept going to Crawford. They just swarmed uh, Crawford and Jake. I mean, he was he made some uh, heavily contested shots too. So I just I mean, J hopefully he keeps. 
I don't I don't think right now that he's no he's not going to have any more collegiate. Man, it would be, it would be fun if he would, but yeah, definitely yeah. if he if he's done now, that's definitely a great great high school career that he had and a great way to, I guess. I mean to go out in the final game points wise, so definitely yeah. I have I haven't known Jake very long, uh, but I met him last year. He is one of the nicest and the most you know loyal and hardworking people you will ever meet. I mean, he loves basketball. He loves it. And at the end of the game, there was a shot of him at midcourt. He was getting emotional. He was, like, crying. And people could say, oh, you shouldn't cry over a sport like this. Here's the thing, though. These people have to realize that these are actual human beings playing their last high school game. For sure. And yeah. a lot of these guys are not going to be playing, you know, collegiate Next basketball. Level, yeah. This is their, like, last big high-level basketball game. Yeah. So, in a way, you could just see on Jake Fisher's face, God God, I worked this hard, and we're going to go out in the first round, and this is my last game. Mm. I don't think you should give crap. I think you should pat the guy on the back. I mean, I went on Twitter, and I know I talk. I go on Twitter a lot, and I you know, <laughs> run my mouth. I said, listen, go get my man some love because he really played his butt off. He really did. Yeah, he did. I would agree with that. I, I mean, guess. he just took over and carried that team. And and nothing against Crawford. Crawford is a great player, but they shut him down. Right. They shut him down. And, then, and when you shut one of those guys down, they can't, they can't, they couldn't think, figure something out. Yeah. They didn't shoot the ball effectively. And it was like almost like they wanted to shoot the three, but they were passing it up because they knew they couldn't shoot the three. Yeah, so I guess basically we're going to need more guys next year that are going to step up yeah. just besides having the one or two guys yeah. um, be able to, being able to shoot. Yeah, and definitely. I know he's injured. Like, I know he's coming back from an injury, but you have to have Andrew Crawford in the game. Right. You have to have him in the game. Because Jack Bender, and nothing against Jack. I love Jack. Jack's a great guy, even if he is a Brewers fan. <laughs> um, Jack's a great guy, but Jack is inconsistent on threes. Andrew can shoot the three consistently. There was that one play where he went up and down. Even he admitted it to me. I was like, yeah, dude. I thought Oh, yeah, the one, down. yeah. And he was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and the refs apparently didn't see it. Yeah. And he even said, like, the refs were like, yeah, it was a great shot. He's like thinking, yeah, I went up and down. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you've got to have Andrew on the floor more because Andrew, Andrew's probably not going to drive much because of his injury. He's coming back from it. You know, that's probably going to happen more next year. Mm -hmm. But he can shoot from outside. You have to have him on the floor more. And I felt like – as the game progressed, you went more to like Cade Noick and you went more to a younger lineup, guys that were a little bit like, I don't know if I should experience, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There was one shot. They had a guy wide open. I don't remember who it was. Actually, I do, but I'm not going to say names because I don't want to get after that person. But they shot it and it was just a horrible looking jump shot. Uh huh. Horrible. I'm like, why is that guy shooting the ball? But they're going to leave that guy open because they know that the guy can't shoot. Right. And, and that keep was going to Crawford, issue. like you said. Yeah. Definitely well, yeah. a good job by Highland Park, I guess. The Highland Park yeah. was scouting report. I mean, for a, a team I was, that was 17th in, in coming into this yeah. regional, they had they played a tremendous, tremendous yeah. game. They literally had an answer for any anything the scouts put up. Yeah. Before you know it, they just – I mean, I feel like felt like all their points being at the game was just from behind the arc. Like, yeah, was I was crazy. watching – well, they had this one dude. I don't remember his name, but he hit like 10 threes. Uh, number three, th I don't know his name, but yeah. yeah. that's what everybody's been saying. Yeah, he was he – was, lights out, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, so um, – yeah, I mean, I I was uh, just short thoughts for me. I mean, I was I was at the game too, and I would definitely say, you know, credit to Highland Park for hitting on our strengths, and I think that's definitely the main yeah. factor that went into this kind of early end of the season. So, um, so Shaw obviously he does color commentating in the in the fall for football, um, and just finished up basketball in the winter, but of course now it's spring, and now it's time for baseball, which is very very exciting, and that's what we're here to talk about. Um, so Shaw wrote some MLB previews that he has up. Um, only one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Right now, he has part one, which is the National League preview up, and he's got the American League and uh, 
postseason um, and awards predictions coming out um, very, very soon. So uh, definitely be on the lookout for those. But right now, I'm just getting ready to get into baseball. We're going to have a real fun segment right here. We're going to talk about definitely by far, I think we can all agree, the most important um, section of the baseball season here with uh, February baseball. There's nothing like February baseball which will give you the most accurate uh, possible predictions of what, you know, is going to happen with every team. So we're going to sit here. We're going to overreact. So, um, yeah. Um, Michael, do you have any uh, takes to start to start us off here? Well, I think – AJ and I were talking about this before we started recording, but definitely the U Darvish situation. I've really just been not too happy with the with the moves the Cubs have making these last – the last two years especially with the Chatwood, who's been horrible for the Cubs. He's – Basically walked every batter he's faced. And then you got Darvish who chat walk. <laughs> yeah. You got Darvish too who can't seem to find. He throws hard, but he's always getting hurt and he can't find the zone ever. Like he had four walks yesterday, like in an inning and a half, which is definitely. Yeah. I mean, it was inning his first third, game back. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, inning and a third yesterday. But yeah, definitely he's gonna need to figure figure that out soon. Otherwise, the Cubs. I don't know. It's gonna be. This is gonna be a harder season than last year to try to win the division because the Cardinals definitely made big improvements. The Pirates always seem to find their way. Um, to hang around and the, the Reds too. They actually went out and they made some, made some moves this off season, which was yeah. kind of surprising. Definitely. Well, I talked about this a little bit in the preview. I don't know if you had a chance to read it yet, Michael. Um, I've seen, yeah, yeah, I've seen parts. It, of it, it yeah. was like your NFL preview that you right. wrote back in the fall. Um, oh wait, you did a great job with the player scout too. You too, Joey. Um, Thank you. With the stuff you do as well, with the music ones and yeah. Um, but moving on, my biggest thing is this. I picked the Cardinals to be first because I saw, and this is a problem that I have. I'm not always great explaining stuff when I write them down, which is weird that I'm in journalism for that, but, you know, I just love this stuff. I'm better explaining it. But I had the Cardinals as my first place team because I felt if you look at their lineup and you look at their rotation, they have the pieces that you need to win this division, okay? Yeah, for sure. And you could say, well, the Cubs have that. Yeah, but the Cubs pitchers. And I was talking to my dad about this this morning, ironically, just before I came here. Um, The Cubs have the guys on paper to have a great rotation, but those guys don't put up the numbers capable to win games. I mean, we've seen it the last two years. 2016, and I know, oh, you're making another reference to 2016. I know, but this is my point. 2016, they had the guys on paper, and they did the things on the field that they had to do to win. And they didn't get hurt, which is definitely Boom. a problem now because the rotation yeah. is not getting any younger. Rotation is, I believe, guys. the oldest in baseball. One of the it's got to be up there, yeah, definitely. Yeah. With um, with uh, Lester, I think he's yeah. is he thirty five now? I believe Lester's thirty five. Hamels is he's up there too. Very old. Darvish is thirty two. Quintana, I think, is like twenty nine, thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle's the youngest, yeah. and he's twenty eight. Yeah, it's so. crazy to call this Cubs team call it, to refer to anything related to the Cubs as old, but I mean that's it's the crazy. reality. Once you go into pitching, I it, mean, yeah, it's yeah. crazy now how yeah, just a couple years ago, where oh, the Cubs are one of the youngest teams in baseball. They have yeah. they have all oh, they have so many years left before these players hit arbitration, and then yeah. before you know, it, like now we look at the rotation, they're in their mid thirties. Mm-hmm. Chris Bryant's like twenty seven now. Yeah. Uh, Rizzo's getting uh, closer to 30. I mean, yeah. I think he is. Is he? Rizzo be 30 on August 9th. Wow, yeah. So definitely, yeah, all these all No, these August players, 8th, my bad. Jason Hayward's August 9th. Okay. So definitely, yeah, all these players are starting to – this probably is the Cubs' last real last stand, I guess, with this rotation that is. Mm-hmm. If they if they can't um, 
I mean, I don't know what they're going to be able to do. Like, next year, you have to sign somebody if we have any money, I guess. Cause yeah. We're going to have some are, money, I think. Because right. we're going to have some guys coming off the books. I know Zobrist is coming off the books. Uh-huh. I don't even know maybe Hamels. I don't know um, if he has another good year. There, maybe they may go. Oh my God, we gotta resign him. Um, <laughs> he's thirty, like six. <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, well, my biggest thing is this: the Cubs are not going to finish last. The idiots that had them last were, yeah, Pete Cotto, the, whatever the heck it is. Yeah, yeah, and I know they use like math and everything like that. Okay, it's analytics. Cool. Uh, yeah, whatever. The Cubs are not going to finish last. You look at that team, I'm, and again, I'm not. Am I, I'm a very vocal Cubs fan. Like, right, I'm right. not going to sit here and say, oh, you guys are doing great. You know, I'm, I'm going to be like, you know, if someone sucks, I'm like, yeah, get that guy off the field. Ian Happ, Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> right. Yeah, Addison Happ, Russell. I'm not a fan of even Ian Happ. He just, I, I don't know, he just, every every swing he has, he's just trying to go deep. We need to trade yeah, him. That's not the kind of players we, we, we need, need to trade yeah. him. That's yeah. That's my overreaction. He's like, well, I mean, if you're, if you're talking about, um, you know, swinging for the fences a little bit too much, you know, that's. You know, obviously the conversation of Javi Baez comes up, but then the oh, difference God. is obviously Ian Happ, like you know, doesn't have the doesn't have the defense yeah. contribution that Javi has, Dude, so it starts to become a lot more Javi. of a question. Let me say something about Javi. That guy has gone through more in his big league career, I feel like, than anybody else on this team. Rizzo probably him, him and Rizzo. Definitely. Rizzo, yeah, like but like people like Bryant. Well, Bryant, Bryant had it. Bryant was a first round draft easy. pick. He was the top prospect in all of baseball, and, and the way up, he came in was yeah. just so yeah, it was hot. so it was like hyped to like oblivion. Right. And, and Byron Buxton was number one. Remember that? He was number one on MLB.com. Yeah, for sure. Out. For and sure. Byron Buxton is like, you know, kind of a bust right now. But he he's, could. Too, he's still kind of still early. early but, but yeah. Chris Bryant's but, uh, MVP, rookie of the year. I mean, yeah. definitely. You can't yeah, take that away right from now. him. Yeah. Even if he doesn't, you know, even if he doesn't go back to those numbers, Bryant's going to make a strong case every year for top third baseman in the league. Now, the thing I've always thought is, is he's a better outfielder. I think you need to move Bias to third. Wait, hold on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You need to move, you need to have David Bodie play third. I know people love David Bodie. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I mean, I like David Bodie, but I don't. I'm not like you know. Oh my God, David Bodie hit that grand slam against Washington. <laughs> it was great. I was jumping up and down. I probably woke up everybody in the neighborhood from screaming so loud. You know, because I that was, was like, a yeah. crazy. We had like two hits all game until that happened. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that was a game Cole was just pitching out. Of that was Sunday baseball, right? I believe Sunday baseball with, with Matt Fisturson. <laughs> You yeah. guys need to have me on here another time to rant about those guys because I cannot stand that group. Mendoza and yeah. Fishers. My mom hates Mendoza. Really? She hates me. <laughs> yeah. She, I, I hate A-Rod. I cannot stand that guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely I an interesting legit, conversation they have about their ups and downs national reporters for baseball. Vaskersian, I like Vaskersian on Fox. Like, Santa Maria. Him and, him but, and John Smoltz are always yeah. really good together. But on ESPN, I don't like the guy on ESPN. I think he's all right, but he's not, you know. I liked it better when they had Boone on ESPN. He was always... You know, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go way back. I liked it when they had uh, Shulman, John Crook, not Crook, Shulman and uh, Tito. Oh, T- Frank, oh yeah, yeah, Terry Francona, like 2012. That was I liked that crew, and I liked it with Bobby Valentine a little bit too. Mm-hmm. That was like right end of the. That was like the very very end of the kind of peak of what like Sunday night ESPN baseball was. So yeah. Yeah. It used to be a way bigger deal than it is. Yeah, yeah. now yeah. I yeah, mean like that's Monday just the fallout of ESPN in general too. Yeah, but. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I'm concerned about Darvish. I'm very yeah. concerned about. So him. you were saying then for your lineup, then what, what were you saying for? You said Bodie at third, Bodie at third, Baez at short. Uh, if they keep Hap, then Hap at second or Zobrist at second. What, what do you think about first? Russell then? Because he's going to be out for a month, I believe. Russell's done. Russell's done. You think he's going to get? <laughs> Sorry, I think they're going to. Th- my opinion is, I think they're going to try and get him 
a little playing time. Let him play a little bit. If he has some numbers, then he's gone. Like they're gonna try to get something out of him. His trade value got killed when that whole thing went down. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. All right. So basically, um, spring training. Um, those are obviously our concerns coming out. You Darvish being number one. Um, of course, obviously, no one's no one's to overreact with some with uh, the you know nice. A couple of wins that the Cubs have picked up to open up spring training, but of course that's what we're here to do. So I would definitely get excited about those, um, <laughs> for sure. Um, so yeah. Um, otherwise, in baseball, I mean, you got you got a you got a bunch of other teams we got. We're waiting on um, Manny Machado to you know get in there for the Padres. <laughs> He's never gonna play a game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't know. I gonna- this is all seriousness though, and I, I got a question for you guys. Do you think that was like a like his contract was a kind of too much? I think it was a little excessive, but I think that that's kind of what it. I had think compared to, lead up to what Arenado got, I don't know if you guys saw it's Arenado. Thirty-two million, I believe, over thirty-two million, right for eight years average. I his think. his was like two fifty-five yeah. for eight. I know. Yeah, but compared uh, to what Arenado got, mm-hmm. Arenado's worth a lot yeah. more. I mean, yeah. So basically, people that don't know, so Arenado now has the highest average contract in the league um, throughout the span of the contract's uh, life. Then Machado has the longest uh, – it's, it's the biggest free agent signing because Arenado's was an extension. And then what was – I believe the other one was – oh, yeah, Giancarlo Stanton was still the, the biggest uh, extension yeah. in, the, in the league. I believe his, big, his was the, the biggest contract in baseball history. Right, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, he might have actually been the biggest contract in sports history. It, it's it's definitely got to be up. I mean, I don't know what else would. I mean, probably the NBA. They, those guys are getting. Oh a yeah, ton yeah, of it was money. A, I, yeah, the it was NBA are in a kind of a different level. NBA, that's crazy. The, the, like James Harden, I don't know what he got, but it was something million. It was up there. Yeah, no, it was it was there. crazy. I gotta ask my buddy James Liu. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Even though he's a big Thunder guy. Yeah, he's. So a, I'm assuming, he's I don't know. Just if he a likes big Harden. NBA guy in general too. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So obviously, you know, we we hinted at this when we talked about Manny Machado more recently. Um, but obviously we're going to look in, uh, um, seeing what happens with Bryce Harper, obviously kind of all eyes are kind of shifting toward him and it's kind of an interesting situation now because we're kind of seeing a fallout after really kind of, you know, he kind of fell through the cracks with a couple, you know, opportunities, yeah, I guess. And now think, he's kind of in a worse spot than he was. I think now we kind of saw with Machado, like I would think in a normal MLB offseason, like five years, like even like three years ago, Machado would not have gone to the Padres. Like the smaller market teams now have an opportunity. That's these true. big market teams like the Dodgers, like the Cubs, they don't Red have Sox. the money. Yeah, they don't, either don't have the money or they they're going more to analytics. They don't want to spend this huge, huge contract like the Dodgers. They haven't really signed a guy in the, in a while for like there used to be the team. Okay, we're gonna give him a huge contract, him a huge contract. But now they're they're sticking mm-hmm. more like to the analytics side of, yeah. of the game. For sure. Which is, I mean, I guess kind of kind of concerning for um, Harper will still get a deal, but it's kind of more concerning for other players yeah. that aren't like the same level as Harper. Mike Trout in two years is gonna be big to look at. That's gonna be. And Mookie Betts, too, I believe. Are they the same year? I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. But yeah, That'll be interesting considering we'll have all this in contact. I think Betts will get re-signed. I think Boston, if they don't re-sign him, that's not going to be good for them. But uh-huh. I, I'm Trout's going to be interesting. Uh, this is not really an overreaction, but a team there's – there's no team in the National League that needs to win more this year than the Dodgers. After two years yeah, in a row. Yeah, for sure. I would agree. Two years 100%. In a row, they, yeah. they need to win this year. If they want to win a World Series in this current era, they need to win this year. I mean, Kershaw definitely. He said Kershaw the other day. <laughs> yeah, right. He said the other day that he in his first uh, bullpen, I believe it was, that he was already feeling sore. So I think definitely the yeah, we we're going to talk about that. Yeah, going definitely. deep in the postseason. Hope I hopefully it hasn't. I mean, they're definitely a fun team to watch, but it, it, we saw it with the Cubs this last year. Like it kind of took a toll on them towards the end of the year. Make it because yeah. they were in the they were 2016. 
NLCS against the Cubs. Of course, we know what happened there. The Cubs yeah. won. 2017 in the World Series, 2018 in the World Series. So they've had some deep runs in the playoffs, which definitely yeah. has a toll on any any sport, any team. So Yeah, it's going to be a matter of getting Clayton Kershaw back to being Clayton Kershaw again. That's part of it for sure. My biggest issue with him is that, and people want to call him one of the greatest pitchers of all time, and I was there a few years ago. I was a big Kershaw guy, and I for still sure. like the guy. But when you talk about all-time great pitchers, all-time great pitchers, there's two things that I look at. Number one, you have your success. You, you can just dominate. A guy, and I always make this reference because I love the guy, Greg Maddox. Guy could yeah. dominate you, could carve up a lineup. And I have a teacher, he says, don't matter how hard you throw, it's how you get the guy out. And that's the thing that I always always remember that he told me. Greg Maddox was, was great at that. And two is postseason success. So a guy like Madison Bumgarner, postseason success. And a great pitcher in the regular season when he's healthy. Yeah. Or a guy but, like Nolan Ryan, of course, the greatest. Yeah. Like Randy Johnson, like guys like those. I mean, yeah. they, you kind of mentioned less velocity, but they have definitely more, yeah. more life to their fastball than other guys like Maddox. Yeah. But definitely a yeah. greatest pitch. I don't think he's definitely up there as one of the best of Maddox? our. Or uh, I'm talking about uh, Kershaw. Yeah. He's definitely up there, yeah, in our generation. But, I mean, if you go back, like, to the, <laughs> to the Nolan Ryan years, Greg Maddox years, those guys are on another level. Yeah. The thing about Kershaw. And I know we're probably running low on time here, but Kershaw, until he can figure out his postseason issues, I can't put him on that right. list. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I was going to say. I mean, you know, you got you got to have at least yeah. some postseason success. Obviously, yeah. there's, you know, like the LeBron Jordan conversation when it comes to championships and things like that. And, um, you know, but I mean, I think that even everyone, no matter what side of that thing that they're on, when it comes to sports, I mean, you do have to have some championships to be put on that, you know, especially greatest of all time list, especially in basketball, but even in baseball. Yeah, um, yeah, baseball. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's much harder in baseball to get a championship. So if you have one of those, yeah. you're you're on a track, I guess. If you're yeah. if you have the regular season too with the postseason accolades, I mean, you're, you're I, on track to. Michael, I know you're not a big hockey guy. I'm just gonna do this really quick. But like Joey, you'll understand. Yeah, like Alexander Ovechkin for years he couldn't win. People were giving him crap for that. For sure. You know, yeah. he's this great goal scorer. But when he won last year, that really cemented his legacy. Sydney Kershaw Crosby. needs that, yeah. Yeah, when Sidney Crosby won the back-to-back cups, that really solidified his legacy, even though his legacy was kind of set when he won the first cup. Right. Yeah. yeah. Same thing in football. I feel like Tom Brady, when we look back at Tom Brady, we're not going to look back at him as the GOAT because he was, you know, he broke all these records. We're going to look back at him as the GOAT because he won all these Super Bowls. He just kept yeah. winning. He just yeah. kept winning. Because yeah. all he does is win. All he does is win, <laughs> win. Oh, God. Yeah. Um. So, anyway, yeah, Clayton Kershaw. Um, if I did have to give an overreaction, I would say, Shaw, you're really, really good at doing um, uh, wind-up impersonations. Mm. And um, I am not a fan of Clayton Kershaw's wind-up. I don't know if you guys are have are familiar it's, with oh, what his wind-up is like. This one? He's doing it right now. It's a very visual <laughs> podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, As my friends at the MGO podcast say, yeah. And we'll was, get some cameras in here soon, by the way. Um, oh, be, yeah, with his injuries, too, like what we're kind of talking about. Talk about his injury, I guess, but it might as well. It's been his back, too. And the way his windup is, if you, if you just Google what his, like, Google video of it, Yeah, you just can look see, at his windup. It's it's a lot of pressure on his back, which is yeah. definitely. It just kinda, it's just weird to me. Like, I feel like he could get more power. Like, he, like, stops halfway through his windup and then yeah. just kind of, like, throws it's a lot the of ball stress, like I like, would casually throw, you know, a Well, Michael, you're, you're, you know, you've done can. some pitching before, obviously, yes. so you know a little bit about that. It's a lot of stress, yeah, like, on, on just the whole body. I mean, especially, like, the, the lower area. Mm-hmm. The lower back area, which is, I mean, I don't know. He's going to have to do some. He's going to have to find. He definitely maximizes yeah. that. He, for yeah, sure. he's going to need to find yeah. a different, possibly like 
uh, movement to um, to keep, keep himself on the field. I mean, I don't yeah. know what he's going to do, yeah. but the way he's pitching now, I mean, that's that's just his, his generic lineup he's probably been using for years, but he's going to need to find a way to to limit those back problems. Otherwise, he's going to keep finding himself on the disabled list. I don't know what he's going to have to do, but he's going to have to find something. So. Yeah. Well, and another, another thing, sorry. To no, go ahead. Another thing that I always remembered, I remember I was watching – I'm the kind. There's this guy on YouTube that I like to watch. He has like he puts all these old Cub games up from like 07, 08, 06, back when the Tribune stole in the Cubs and Jim Hendry and Lou Pinella. You know, yeah, sweet Lou Pinella. I know that's not a song. But yeah. Uh, there was. I remember. I don't remember if it was Len Casper or Bob Brenly was saying. You know. You know. You put a lot of pressure. Um. Actually, no, no, no. Excuse me. That's why you don't get freaking co- coffee in the morning. Um. It was Harry Carey. No, Steve Stone. Way back in the day, actually. Excuse me, man. You guys are gonna have to like you know cut this out probably. Um, if you can put a lot of pressure on your shoulder when you do this, like I'm doing that thing where you like put your arm behind your back. I got up a stretch. You put a lot of pressure on your shoulder. That's another right. thing pitchers are gonna have to stop doing because if you're not even with your shoulders. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. Even. Yeah. Yeah. It might just. I mean, it might just be an evolution in the end too. Like. Pitching has gone to such a degree where it's like pitchers are just pitching constantly and they just need to start just throwing more, you know what I mean? Just more in a yeah. just more in a casual sense just in terms of health because, you know, pitchers some, now of, just some want, of this see a lot is of not quick as sustainable as it used Pedro to be. Strope makes yeah. a lot of those quick pitches. Pitchers yeah. now, they yeah. just want, like you mentioned Maddox back in the day, it wasn't the most velocity. You, you wouldn't know. You, you want power now. Unless yeah, your name's you Kyle power, Hendricks, yeah. you want power. Yeah, that's why I that's why I love Kyle Hendricks. He's just yeah, kind of that's why, that's why I love he just him. comes at you. He's like, I don't baseball, care, yeah. man. I'm just gonna throw what I want. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's gonna last, you know, him a career because yeah. it's a lot more sustainable. You can go yeah. a lot more years than a guy like uh, who should I mention? I mean, like a guy like I don't know, who do you think, Shaw? Like a guy that who's like sh- I don't know, maybe I don't know. I, he's young, maybe like Jordan Hicks on the Cardinals. And right, he was like 105. He, just all out velocity. I mean, that's not gonna yeah. last. I mean, I, like even like Aroldis Chapman, like he's yeah. he's a crazy. Uh, the way he's he's held up with his velocity over the years. Fun to watch. Who knows how many years he has left? Yeah, Kopech maybe. Kopech. I mean, he already possibly. had Tommy John, so I, I was gonna actually bring up another thing. Uh, the Zion Williams injury. Yeah, um, that, that's that's something we could talk about. I think. Yeah, we t- we talked about it earlier on the show. I mean, it's I think it's a big all sports um, conversation because it really starts to it starts to bleed into the conversations about college athletes. Um, yeah. because you know, I know a lot of people I've been talking to, like they're writing like papers on how college athletes need to be paid. Right. The argument I want to make, and there's, there's a good counter argument to this. Well, I, I see the point in it. The thing is though, is are you, there got two arguments. This number one, the school is paying for your education to come there. I know, it, you know they're paying for your school. Okay. The education, who cares? We're not going to class. Um, but they're paying for your school to go there for that one year. Essentially they're paying the thousands of dollars that college is worth. You know, right. College is expensive as heck. Crazy expensive now, yeah. Um, and two, um, what was my argument I was going to make? Well, you're okay, you're going to like give the money to the football player, but what about the person that's going there to play lacrosse? Like, No one's going to buy a lacrosse jersey for a college athlete. You know what I mean? Like, right. Why would you pay them, but you're going to pay the football player? Because if you're going to pay the football player and the basketball player – it starts to become a competitive yeah. Then they're gonna be like, yeah, they're gonna be like, oh, I want money, I want money. Like, I, I get it. It just I, yeah. drastically changes and up the economics. A lot of schools of can't sports. afford. Like, yeah. you go to a, a smaller, not like a, like a Duke. If you go to a different smaller school, if you went to Duke or like Alabama, like you're gonna, they're gonna draw a lot of uh-huh. money. But if you go to a smaller right. school, like they're gonna have to pull funds from, I mean, yeah. other sports possibly. They might have to 
um, eliminate a sport or two. Sport yeah. like which, basketball with so many smaller schools more competitively involved, yeah. that's where it's going to be very, very heavily yeah. affected. But, yeah. So I, I'm not really – I mean, and also Zion Williamson, he's getting, like, an $8 million, like, insurance policy from Duke. So if, he, if he's to slip, like, past the lottery, I believe it is, he would still get the $8 million. So definitely he's kind of still getting paid even if he gets hurt. So The thing I don't like, though, is when a player – like, there was, I don't know, you guys might remember this. Way back in the day, college football, USC, great dynasty in the mid-early 2000s. Yeah. They got their national championship vacated because um, Reggie Bush took money from an agent. Right. At, at a, like, his mother took money from someone. Like, somebody paid for her meal. And the, and the NCAA was like, oh, you can't do that. You can't accept money when your son's in college. It's like, are you serious? Yeah, see, that's you're the gonna thing like, that get it, you're I gonna would get, argue, You're going to, like, vacate people's championships? BS. BS. <laughs> right. Stupid. Uh, yeah. Don't – you shouldn't fall an eye. Oh, he took, like, $5. Now we got to punish the entire university. You know, we got to you gotta put sanctions on everything. It's like, why do that? Right. He took money. Now, it, like the Johnny Manziel thing, like I understood why they got mad. Like he was asking for money for autographs. Right. I get that. But oh, they they somebody paid for his lunch or oh somebody like bought him something. Yeah, the fact that the NCAA kind of owns these players, that's yeah. where it starts to become a little. That's almost, that's where you get that. There's, there there has to be a line drawn between you know paying players and just giving them their their rights as like the people. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. them profiting in that UNC Duke game. Like tickets were cost were over. Yeah. It costs over two thousand dollars a piece, so the, the NCAA yeah. is making money it's off crazy. these players, which, which some people aren't too happy with. But also, you have to weigh in the cost. If paying the pay, if paying, if you pay the players, where are you gonna get the money from? If you're like a smaller school, what the heck happened? His, I mean, his foot went through his shoe. Like I've never that was, seen yeah. that before. Well, that was like some Bo Jackson like type of stuff. I mean, yeah. like really, like you know, he's he's quite the athlete. If if things like that are happening with injuries. In that way, well, Mikey stuck. Like he basically his, so flip, his shoe basically exploded. It's like yeah, I had never. Seen that's that how before. big Zion, Zion Williams is. I'm like, how in the world does that happen? Yeah, you know that's what crazy. I mean? Anyway, but yeah, so um, uh, we hope you enjoyed our um rambling about sports here. That's been kind of just kind of a fun um casual sports talk here. Obviously, through the the frame of overreactions of spring training, but obviously we talk baseball and obviously Zion Ben uh, Zion uh Williamson. Zion, Zion Williamson Zion Benton yes uh, North Suburban Con- Conference yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, we hope you enjoyed it. Shaw, thank you so much for being on. Uh, we look forward to your previews um, and look forward to, you know, having more serious conversations about baseball. Um, once it picks up from the important times of February to the even more (laughs) important times of the actual, you know, regular season and postseason and all that. Regular season don't matter though. So (laughs) yeah, Yeah. I'm getting excited. There's always a game tomorrow and we talked about that earlier, but anyway, yeah. Shaw, thank you for having, thank thank you you for being on. Yeah. Thanks for having me on guys. All right. See you later. See you soon. All right, uh, we hope you enjoyed that. Um, and now it's time for They Don't Scout Like This, where we provide kind of a new perspective or, you know, bring attention to an interesting, um, important sports story. Um, and I would uh, bring up that the Cubs recently announced that in 2020, um, they will be partnering with Sinclair Broadcasting to bring you a Marquee Sports Network, which will be the Cubs' exclusive um, network in which they will be covered um, in the future. And obviously, you know, the Cubs have been famous for developments as far as um, broadcasting games they're famous for WGN which they've done for years and years and years and this is finally coming to an end with this new marquee sports network next yeah. year so um I mean they've been with the it's, WGN for over like 70 years so right it's this is gonna be a big it's a, big a huge move. huge change and you know um it's it's a very very big change for sports and so Michael what do you think this means for like sports 
broadcasting and the way that things are evolving. Yeah, I mean, you really don't have many teams right now that have their own their own network. I mean, this thing off the top of my head, I mean, you got for college football, Notre Dame has their own um, playing on NBC every week, more right. or less. They have their own um, station, I guess. And I also college football, the, the Longhorns, they have their own network. But really, there really hasn't been um, that many teams I can think of that have their own set um, network where they can do whatever they want with their team, um, promote their promote, promote the product on, the, on and off the field um, at all, 24 hours a day on a station, which is definitely – I think it's kind of cool, but this is probably going to be – the Cubs are going to be the first team um, to really um, take this up, and it's definitely a, a profitable – um, way for them to promote promote the team and I just hope um, they keep I'm sure they will but they're just did they keep um, Len Casper um, and Jim Deshaies um, on, on the network because they're just Chicago's fans just love the Cubs fans love them I mean I I don't see why they would not but that yeah. definitely I just hope they travel with them yeah I, th- I definitely think they will this is you know this is really the first pro instance of like an exclusive network um that will you know that that you know especially i mean the big deal for fans at least is it will be it'll be probably something extra as far as when it comes to costs and um you know fans that both have positive and negative views on it i think that um you know i have mixed emotions about it and i can see both sides of it and that you know it's a positive development because you're going to get more content on the cubs and you'll be able to constantly you know follow the cubs which will be exciting um but it'll also you know be an extra cost to watch um to watch your your baseball games when you know you know, it's it's already um, hard enough a draw to get people to watch baseball. So, I mean, I have mixed emotions on it. Um, but at the same time, the biggest thing I can say is I think it definitely might be the future for sports as far as far as just being profitable for, for your big market, like for, a Cowboys for your big for market. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I think it might definitely be the future. So, yeah, I, that's that's our they don't scout like this. I mean, obviously, um, a story that not that many people are looking into as extensively, at least nationally. Um, locally, they are a little bit, but um, it's a big deal um, for sure. Yeah, and they've been talking about this for for a couple of years now. So just to get this, to come yeah, out, that it's actually happening. Yeah, for it's, sure, it's big. All right, so we're moving on to your scouting. Uh, we have three questions, um, and we you know we're, we're we have some um, awesome questions. It's always we always have some. Uh, great callers. Um, um, so, you know, uh, let's get right into it right now. Uh, hello. I was wondering, who do you think are the some good coaching candidates to replace Jim Harbaugh at Michigan? Since it's just so clear over the past years that he's not the guy. I mean, yeah, he's gotten his butt handed to him by Ohio State like almost every single year. He's just not good enough to win the big games and can't get anything out of his quarterbacks. Like, Shea Patterson, he's supposed to be the guy, ends up sucking. So, uh, just let me know who you think could replace him, you know? Bye. Okay, so, yeah, so that's our first call. Um, I, I'm pretty sure the intention is that I answer this one. Um, <laughs> I'm, I mean, at least that's what I'm, that's, that's what I'm assuming. Um, but, um, I mean, in short, you know, I, I, I see this reaction nationally. I just, I, I find it hilarious that the people who are the most upset about Harbaugh's tenure in Michigan are not Michigan fans. I mean, if I look around at Michigan fans, there's not nearly as much. There, there's almost no outrage toward a job perspective thing on Harbaugh right now. And I think that, you know, we, we talked about this with Shaw early on the show, but, you know, he ta- we talked about announcers. We talked about, like, um, you know, Matt Vaskirgin and John Smoltz and, you know, national baseball kind of 
um, commentators and how we, you know, currently at least we don't we don't like them. And I think that a lot of that comes from just because they're national, they're national guys. They really don't, you know, pay as much attention to local teams like local broadcasters can. And so I think that you know, we we should. We should pay attention to that when it comes to these views on Michigan football and these views on Harbaugh. I mean, I, I think that lots of um, people aren't paying attention to the fact that, you know, this is this is a lot more of a specific issue and specific um, flaw with Michigan football going forward. I think that, you know, you got to put it in perspective. Harbaugh's brought Michigan out of a pretty dark place. Um, but I think that the solution going forward is really he's got to be more open to switching up the offense and evolving the offense into something that can be – uh, more effective in games, and especially when they're playing teams that are as good or better. And currently he did that with the hiring of Josh Gaddis, who's um, the offensive coordinator. We talked about that um, on It Matters Now, and you know, just bringing that up again. I mean, I think you know he's never had an offensive coordinator at Michigan. So I think that that's a very, very big deal. Um, and that shows that he's, he's willing to adapt. So I think that you know, the, I, I wouldn't simplify it into it being a conversation about you know Harbaugh not winning big games. The reason why he's not winning big games is because the teams that are adjusting to him, he's not able to adjust back. And I think that he's definitely working on it this offseason. So we'll see what happens. Although it is a very, very important year uh, for his tenure, for sure. So let's get into the next question. Um, I think it's from the same caller. Uh, hello, how's it going? As you may know, the NFL Combine is coming up, and there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks there, like Dwayne Haskins, Tyler Murray, Drew Locke. Jake Browning, and I was wondering if you could power rank all these quarterbacks that are going to be throwing at the Combine based off their hand size, and if you could power rank them based off how good they look in shorts, and that would be greatly appreciated, thanks. We're, we're loving these calls from um, Carson or from Ryan Peters. There's one coming up from Ryan Peters, um, but... <laughs> They're doing an awesome job, but I, I think that you know, even though this is this is obviously a joking question, and we probably won't power rank these yeah, these not. guys by hand size, and you know, the combine hasn't started yet, so we don't know how good they look in shorts yet. But yeah, we can't tell you yet. But the combine started yesterday. Yeah, today's a media day, I believe, and like measure, um, basic measurements. So we're not going to be able to see anyone in shorts today. But um, yeah, we could possibly get into that next week. <laughs> Maybe we get Carson <laughs> for on sure. to yeah, we we have his own power we might, rankings. We might consider having him on for that. But, uh, but yeah. hand size somehow has actually become a story, um, as you know, people are looking into Kyler Murray and seeing what uh, flaws he has, and one of that is hand size. As most um, as most NFL quarterbacks have significantly uh, large yeah. hands, and basically, um, it's been reported that um, the NFL um, has you know no quarterbacks that are below a nine inch hand from pinky to thumb. So, I mean, one of, one of the arguments, um, I guess, against Kyler Murray's draft stock is that he had, he might have a hand that's, you know, a little bit under, I think that this is a pretty overblown story, but I mean, I just bringing up too. the, con I, but yeah. bringing up the conversation, I think that, you know, I mean, hand size is a conversation as much as I don't and think that it was, should be. And that, like, like Murray, uh, Jared Goff, when he, when he was coming out of California, um, in the draft, that was a huge topic of concern for him and his hand size, which I think is kind of an over, like you said, an overblown, overblown uh, topic um, towards towards a or um, criticism towards a player. Uh, I don't really read that much into it, but I mean, I don't, I don't really know. Right. But I mean, I don't know. I think either way, he's still gonna he's if his hands were huge, small, medium size, whatever scouts want, he's gonna be a heck of a talent in the yeah, league. So for I, sure. I wouldn't draft a player. Just because of his hand size. Yeah, so. I don't. I mean, you know, I, th at this point, I don't know if 
you know, people have seen draft day where they kind of look into the flaws um, in a player. And when a player's so good, they try to find the one flaw and see if it matters. Um, that was kind of the philosophy of that movie. Even though it's kind of an advertiser thing on the NFL, there is some truth to that. And so I think, you know, the media tries to do that as well. And this is kind of their next spot in that. But there you go. Good question. Hopefully we have Carson on the show in the future because, um, of course, he has, has all his takes that are interesting. So here's our final question. Okay, so the, this conversation um, about college basketball is one that we've been wanting to have on the show for a while. Um, we're excited for uh, March Madness coverage in the future. We're going to have um, a lot of good episodes on March Madness once that gets going. Um, it's going to be a big deal on the Force Scout. But um, I wanted to bring this up as far as um, March Madness going in. You know, the the recent, you know, kind of, you know, look into, you know, rankings that the NCAA releases, you know, midway through the season on kind of what the seeding's looking like so far. Um, and then the the new use of the net power index metric that they're using now. Um, I, I think that's an interesting conversation because – um, as, as you look into basketball, for all, for all you people who are going to be filling out brackets, as you look in the, in the March Madness and as we approach March Madness, I highly recommend that you look at these metrics. Um, you know, net is obviously the one that, that um, the NCAA is going to favor. So if you look at that right now, that's, that's somewhat interesting right now. We have Gonzaga and Virginia and Duke kind of as the top three right now. Um, my, my personal favorite is, uh, the, the longtime, um, awesome um rankings that exist on uh, kenpom.com ken pomeroy's um college basketball rankings that he does his power index um that's surprisingly you know just amazing at predicting march madness results um you know if you look into that stuff i mean there, there's I, i'm i don't remember the exact stat but i don't think there's been a national champion that's ever been like outside of the top 15 or something crazy like that so you know he he does a very very good job predicting using using his metrics so i, I highly recommend you know, all college basketball fans to give that um, more attention than it might be than it might be given when college basketball is analyzed because um, it's it's some very very good good things to look at uh, for sure. Yeah, but um, also I think one of the, some of the hottest teams. Um, yeah, again, the, the hottest teams. Yeah. Yeah. So I believe North Carolina is really they've really clicked these last couple um, weeks, especially. Of course, you can say the they beat um, Duke. Um, on the road just because Zion was out. Uh, he got hurt in the first 30 seconds, blah, blah, blah. But they really – they had a big win again last night against Syracuse, um, which is um, a big win for them. I mean, they've had a lot of players step up. Um, and I think every year uh, Roy Williams really has his team playing his best their best ball going into the um, tournament. For sure. He always seems to find a way just to get the team uh, clicking just right at this time of the year, which is the best time of the year to get going um, as, of course – March Madness is single game elimination, and if you don't play right, one game you're out, and a great season this could go by the wayside. So, definitely they're they're gonna be a team to watch, and Kentucky too. They really played um, some some great some great teams along um, the way this season. They've had some tough losses that they've overcome, um, such as LSU that that crazy um, game where um, at the end like where the ball uh, went in went in. People thought it could have been goaltending, um, but it's the game. Um, ended there. Uh, it was kind of a crazy game. People thought it could have got blocked too. It was just a weird ending to that game. But 
I think, yeah, those are the two teams I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, for sure. Those are contenders that I definitely agree with. I think that as far as Dark Horses go, I would I would definitely say that the Big Ten conversation right now is really focused on Michigan State. Michigan, obviously Michigan State, um, won that big matchup, and they'll be matching up again soon. Um, uh, a significant uh, blow to, to Michigan basketball's record, but, I mean, you know, they some of their problems have been exposed, and hopefully that leads to um, – better results later on and Michigan State's obviously the contender going out of the Big Ten so far right now but I think that the team that's not being paid attention to right now is Purdue who's quietly just winning games and they're number 10 on Camp right now but they're they're you know as far as just they're just quietly getting the job done and, I, and these teams that quietly get the job done I feel like are the teams that um, you look into making you know a splash in March so I would definitely look at the Purdue Boilermakers as kind of a dark horse yeah falling under the radar can be a good thing in college basketball teams, for sure especially right around now yeah being an underdog you don't get the get the hype um, towards this like we see each year the team is always there's always just one or two teams that get super hyped up and they end up losing in the like the second or third round um, and just bust everyone's brackets more or less but I think yeah Purdue really has they, they've come on this last month um in the season and they really i think they really do have a pretty good shot i mean they 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 were very high up in the rankings last year too and it didn't work out for them in the end but this year they have a lot of experienced players on the team and they could they can make a pretty deep run i uh this year yep all right so that was uh uh your scouting we we look forward to hearing your questions um in the future so please make sure to send them in 224-544-9330 Two two four five four four nine three three zero. Make sure you send in those questions. We appreciate them. Um, they've been h- both hilarious and awesome questions. So um, we appreciate you guys sending them in. And make sure you just keep doing that because um, they've been bringing up some good topics. Um, so to get us ready. Um, for next week, let's uh, let's take let's take a look at well, what what you guys will be waiting for when it comes to next week. And I'll just start by saying, um, next week we'll really have things in perspective, and we'll be able to reexamine the Chicago Blackhawks and their spontaneous playoff run. And either if it was a legit run and something we should be excited about, or if it was just a meaningless tease that you know they might as well have just been tanking. So that's kind of my thing that um, we should that you guys should just wait till next week for. Um, yeah. So. Hopefully next week we get Carson on to talk about um, his shorts debate and his hands and the hand sizes. Yeah. The combine, but we're also gonna talk about what what actually happened at the combine. The players, um, as it started yesterday and it goes through Monday, we're gonna talk about um, the biggest climbers and fallers from from the draft and uh, or from the combine and look at um, the draft and see possibly we're gonna talk quarterbacks to see who's who's number one on our board. Just kind of analyze uh, what we think is going to happen and possible trades that could happen, and it's going to be fun next week. Yep. All right, so that's all we got today. So congratulations to that and subscribe for once again and listening to this whole thing. We appreciate that. Um, currently updating on uh, our platforms right now. We're, we're, we're trying to get out on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, lots of things, and we're currently waiting to get up on those, and we'll, we'll let you guys know when that happens. So be sure to be on the lookout for that and subscribe to us and leave us positive reviews once that starts to happen. Um, um, as for now, though, um, you can read the Forest Scout. There are lots of good articles on there. We talked about um, Shaw's NF, uh, MLB previews, um, and uh, Spencer Caps also has a great story on the NBA trade deadline. Lots of great sports stories, lots of great stories otherwise. So we appreciate you guys if you if you can check those out for sure. Um, and um, as I said, March Madness is going to be a big deal coming soon. So 
um, definitely, if you look at, we're gonna ha- we're gonna be have people on the show to fill up brackets. We're gonna be pumping out a lot of episodes in between Selection Sunday, a lot of short extra episodes uh, between Selection Sunday um, and the first round. We'll be we'll be we'll be filling out brackets with, you know, people from you know the people who know the most about basketball, and you know we're willing to go deep dive deep into the um, analyzing um, college basketball. The people who you know pick their favorite. Um, team beats based on their favorite colors and you know we're willing to have everybody in so uh, make sure if if, you, if you're interested or you know somebody who's interested in being on the show make sure to email us at sportscoutspodcast at gmail.com um, so yeah so get ready for another episode of Sports Scouts next week and in the meantime we'll keep on scouting so um, I'm doing good sir I'm Mike Rob. and we'll see you next week